A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, Sadie and John Paul are taking your calls at 1850-333-103. You can text or WhatsApp the programme as well, 86 103 with anything that you would like to share with us. And let me start by trying to share, I suppose, a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, particularly for some of our older listeners who are cocooning at the moment and who've been doing really well and staying in in their homes and some of them are finding it very difficult particularly I feel and fear for those that live on their own they can feel very isolated and they're doing their very best actually when we're talking to people on their own and cocooning we must check in with Eileen on uh, Bear Island um, I don't know if when I was off last week if John Paul checked in with her or not but we'll definitely check in with her one day this week to see how she is getting on but I know from calls that we've had into this programme from people since the stricter lockdown was put in place. It certainly is some older people who were saying, oh, is there any way we can get out for some kind of a little bit of a walk, especially people over 70 who were used to going out daily for walks. There's very many of our over 70s are fit and healthy people and they daily went out for walks and they're the ones that are really missing it. And now, it depends on what paper you're reading and who you're listening to and who you're getting your your news from. But it is expected that older people will be allowed out to exercise every day when the new restrictions, the restrictions are eased, which will be happening probably this time next week. Suddenly, the end of next week, we'll be getting to hear the government's thinking on all of this. Underplans being developed at the moment, the over 70s. Now, they'll still be asked to cocoon. Cocooning is still going to stay in place, um, but they won't be forced to stay in their homes 24-7. Now, what they're looking at, and this is something certainly has been mentioned on this programme, is designating specific times for older people, say, to use parks or local amenities and that's one of the measures that's being uh, considered. It's also expected that the ban on the non-essential travel will be eased for the wider community and that people will be allowed to travel more than two kilometres away from their home and that was something that I mentioned when I was on in the last hour with Simon because he hasn't been able to see his mum and dad and he's desperate to go for a drive to go see his mum and dad but they live further than two kilometres away from him. Now, so they're saying that that particular restriction will be eased but what is likely is that a new limit 
will be put in place instead, I suppose. What they don't want is to lift the travel ban of two kilometres and then to have people travelling the length and breadth of the country. They certainly will not want people doing that. So there will just be a new limit put in place. They're also talking about allowing hardware shops and garden centres to officially reopen. Now, that is going to be as long as social distancing measures can be adhered to. But I don't see any reason why social distancing can't operate inside in garden centres and hardware stores. We're all doing it so well inside in supermarkets and it's become the norm now. You expect when you go to get your either your trolley load of shopping or your basket load of shopping, we're all getting used to the fact that we've got a queue outside the supermarket. We know when we get into the supermarket, there's signs all over about social distancing and, you know, people are being very compliant about it. And, you know, you can see it. I certainly can see it myself. If you're, you know, going to get something that's on a supermarket shelf and there's somebody already there looking at items, you wait till that person has moved on and then you go get your item. I mean, we're we're certainly not loitering in the supermarkets and we're not doing, don't know if impulse buying has gone out the door, you're you're getting in and getting out and getting your items uh, done as quickly as possible. But certainly social distancing is working. So if it's working in supermarkets, there's nothing to say that it can't work in hardware stores and that it can't work in garden centres. And that, I think, for people's mental health I think is going to be good because so many people are at home now, either working from home or their job is temporarily gone and they're stuck at home and they've got this for those under 70 they can only go their exercise once a day two kilometres within their home those over 70 that are fit and active you know there's jobs around the house that people can and are doing I mean I have to say gardens are looking great people are really getting out and about in their gardens but in order to get extra work done in the garden people need access to go to a garden centre so I think it would be great if garden centres opened and then for the general DIY jobs around the house painting wallpapering any sort of jobs like that people need to have access to hardware stores so I I do think that will be a good move now these as I say none of this is set in stone this is what has been spoken about and suggested at the moment including as I mentioned for older people to be allowed out of their homes to get a little bit of exercise every uh, day and they are the the one thing with the uh, the over 70s I mean they've been they have been in their homes now since the end of March we're nearly a month into the cocooning for the older people so I think this idea of having set times during the day to allow older people out to exercise, I think that would be terrific. Like they're looking, for example, of older people who live in cities, if they're, you know, parks in the city, that they would be, there would be designated hours for older people and only older people would be allowed to go into the parks on the, the you know, say, I don't know, would they, for example, do it between 11 and 1? in the day and they would say to everybody else keep away from the parks it's for older people over 70s and allow them out and obviously the older people when they're out and about they would be still asked to do social distancing uh, and all of that but I think um, and obviously older people living in rural areas would be allowed to walk around their rural communities but they're, they're, they're just looking at this notion of whether they would have it at set times because before the full lockdown lots of supermarkets had introduced set times for older people to shop and that seemed to have been working quite well as well. So if we can do it in supermarkets and we did it in supermarkets, there's nothing to say that we can't do it to allow older people out to exercise. So I'm sure a number of older people listening to us at the moment will be quite happy to hear that there may be light at the end of the tunnel that they will be allowed out for a walk. And then another issue that we got calls in about yesterday when we were talking about 
events with over 5,000 people being cancelled people then started straight away saying does that mean all sport is going to be gone and somebody said what about club uh, matches well the Chief Medical Officer Tony Houdahan was talking about club matches and he says it may be allowed to go ahead when we start the gradual relaxation of the measures now he said there would need to be reassurance around physical distancing. All of that would have to follow. But he did point out that there is a big difference in attending a club match and being one of maybe a dozen or two dozen people standing on a sideline and attending a large event of a match where there would be 50,000 people. You know, it's, And that's the point that was raised on this programme yesterday. Huge, huge uh, difference. So the prospect of club matches resuming, that certainly will be watched very closely by the public. And the, the government today, the ministers are um, today looking at the next phase of these restrictions because a lot of people are saying that the next phase of these restrictions, some of the ministers are saying, are going to be far more uh, divisive. So we really are going to have to wait and see. Yesterday, the Taoiseach said work on the roadmap of lifting the restrictions was ongoing. And he says it will be shared with the, with the Irish people before the 5th of May. I'm assuming it's going to be next Thursday or maybe next Friday that we're going to have the word out that Leo is going to be on our TVs and we'll get to hear it. I'm assuming it's going to be something like that. The government is monitoring countries where the second wave of coronavirus is starting to get a grip. And that obviously is going to very much, they're very much going to take the lead from other countries as we start to ease the restrictions because we can learn from other countries who lifted restrictions and then some of the countries got this second wave. That's exactly what we don't want to get in this country. For example, there were second waves of the virus in um, Hong Kong, Taiwan and Singapore. They all saw an increase in infections when they started easing the restrictions. So what the government will do now is they're closely closely monitoring what's happened in those countries but they're also going to certainly this week and next week look at the impact of the easing of restrictions in other EU countries. I mean Denmark, Austria, the Czech Republic I saw yesterday for example in Germany was one of the, the first days that Germans were allowed out and many people went out small shops were allowed to open but there was a lot of people Berlin had a lot a lot of people there was traffic jams a lot of people out in the streets and they were asking everybody to make sure that they wore face masks uh, when they went out and to you know to keep up with the social distancing but I did hear reports last night that because Berliners in particular were so glad just to get out of their houses and they they, they didn't have a complete shutdown they were allowed out to exercise and whatever but so many people took the opportunity when the shops were opened yesterday just to to get out and about and there there was worries and concerns that maybe too many people decided to all go out yesterday in Berlin and social distancing wasn't being respected. Not everybody was wearing the masks as they were told uh, to do and the fear that are they now going to see a spike and will they get this second wave of coronavirus in Germany? And Germany is, is a country that's done very, very well when it comes to the number of cases of coronavirus, but particularly when it comes to the number of deaths from coronavirus. And one other item that got addressed yesterday that certainly is worth the mention because again we've had calls in about it here and it's to do with supermarkets preventing parents with children from being allowed into the shops. Some supermarkets have been quite strict on the policy of allowing one person 
on one trolley. Now, this isn't across the board because we've heard from other supermarkets that allow two people, uh, like a husband and wife or a mother and daughter or a father and son or whatever it is, to go in and two people to a trolley. But other supermarkets are being quite strict about this. One person is allowed to do the shopping, one person is allowed in. And if some supermarkets are insisting that no children are allowed into the supermarket. And that is causing problems for some families, in particularly families of single parents who, if they have small children, they can't be left at home. We certainly don't want to be getting to a situation where we're leaving children inside in cars while mammy goes in or daddy goes in to do the shopping. But there are some families who literally do not have anybody to look after the children. And particularly the the families who perhaps in the past had relied on granny and granddad to look after the children. But because granny and granddad are cocooning or are living further than the two kilometre rule, they mean they're not available anymore to look after the children. So there's been reports of cases of parents being turned away, not able to get the shopping done. So they came out, the government came out yesterday, the health, well, the National Public Health Emergency Team came out yesterday and said that they wanted to make it clear that small family groups, including children, are allowed to shop if it's absolutely necessary, if there's no other option. Now, they don't want families, mammy, daddy and all of the children deciding when they hear this, oh, it's okay, small family groups can go shopping. They don't want everybody descending on the supermarkets. They want people who are in a position to leave the children at home, there's somebody there to look after the children, to then for one parent to go out and do the shopping. But family dynamics are different. And not every family is in a position to be able uh, to do that. So there was the national public health emergency team yesterday urged all retailers just to be conscious of the different circumstances of all kinds of families and to try to use a common sense approach when it comes to allowing people in to the shop. So I'm glad to clarify that because we've had some calls in uh, about that from some uh, mothers in particular, single parents, uh, quite upset because they were turned away from a shop, weren't, weren't allowed in, Where you know, and saying, what do we do? I need to get food to feed my child and they wouldn't let me into the store. Just information in on Dunman Manway Recycling because we've been getting texts all week about this, about the recycling for paper, cardboard and uh, plastic. Cork County Council tells the decision on the return of paper, cardboard and plastic recycling bins to the Dunmanway site can only be taken in the context of an easing of the national COVID-19 restrictions. Any decision will need to factor in the likely ongoing need to maintain social distancing. So as of now, no, it's not happening. That's the basic message. But in the meantime, they say glass and beverage can recycling facilities remains available at the site. And then somebody was on this morning to say, could you find out if Skibbereen Recycling Centre is taking plastic and paper at the moment? and no, it's the same due to the COVID-19 restrictions. Civic community sites right across Cork County are accepting black bag domestic waste and food related recyclables only. So they're not taking, if your plastic is from food related recyclables you're okay, but they're not taking paper or cardboard at the moment unless it's food related recyclables and your black bag uh, domestic waste. And this year's 2020 Clonakilty Street Carnival will not now go ahead. They say we will be back with you next year. And just one quick text that came in when I was mentioning what's looking like the likely easing of restrictions and what we can expect to hear from the government at the back end of next week. Somebody just sent in a very short text saying, will the mass be back soon? And, you know, I read it and I just thought, what a heartbreaking little text for somebody to send. There are, and I'm very conscious and aware of so many people who have a very deep faith and who are so missing 
the Sunday Mass and other people who like to, who go to Mass every day. I mean, it's a very small number of people uh, that do it, but for those people, uh, they really, really are missing Mass. And I know the churches are making great efforts and it's been streamed online, but, you know, not everybody has broadband, not everybody has the technology to watch their local church and to be able to see the Mass online and why people are taking comfort from watching it online and watching it on TV. It's not the same as physically going into the church and you know being present for the Mass so I'm very aware of people who cannot wait for the day when the church doors will reopen and people will be able to congregate for Mass as of now no I have have no good news for you in that there's been no mention of uh, when Mass can go ahead and uh, again uh, with large churches with social distancing it probably could be done but I think the problem that I know the reason that they had to lock all the churches was the fact of cleaning trying to keep making sure that the virus hasn't landed on any of the surface and somebody else comes in and then picks it up and so it's been done for everybody's uh, safety as soon as we hear anything from any of the uh, the diocese and of course they will be waiting the diocese won't make the individual decision they will be waiting on the government uh, to make that announcement 1850 going to take a break and I'm back chatting with the President of Sinn Féin Mary Lou MacDonald. Court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, yesterday we got a great insight into what it is like to have COVID-19 with James from the city sharing his story from diagnosis to recovery. Well, another lady, thankfully, well on the road to full health following a positive test for coronavirus is Sinn Féin President Mary Lou MacDonald who takes time out to join me this morning. Good morning to you Mary Lou. Good morning Patricia, lovely uh, to talk to you. Well lovely to talk to you as well. Now you went back to work for the first time this week. How are you feeling that first week back? I'm feeling I'm feeling good Patricia. Uh, I feel, I, I have to tell you, I feel very, very lucky uh, to come out, to have come out the far side of what was a very, very miserable sickness. Um, I feel very conscious of others now, maybe even people listening in this morning who are fighting this virus or who have a loved one who is sick. And I I wish them a recovery, um, a full recovery. And then, of course, uh, I think of all of those who have now buried loved ones and the heartbreak and the misery of that in such difficult circumstances. So I'm heartbroken for them. But I'm very lucky, Patricia. I I wasn't hospitalised. I managed to get better at home. Um, So all in all, uh, I got through it. But I I have to tell you, it it is a horrible, horrible virus. And anybody who imagines that it's just one set of the population who can get this and get sick from it, let me tell you, that's not true. Um, and uh, some people will uh, fight this thing off and it'll be very, very mild, but people of, of, of any age can get really quite sick with it. So I, I just feel very blessed and very lucky to have come out the far end. Yeah, I mean, I was reading on the paper today of a young 31-year-old um, uh, worker in a, in a nursing home in, in Dublin who has become the latest healthcare worker to die from COVID-19, a 31-year-old. A 31-year-old, I mean, in, in their prime, just yeah. the beginning of the prime of their life. And, and, and so this isn't to cause panic at all, at all amongst people, but that we have to be, we just need to be very mindful of the fact that this virus is highly infectious, transmits very easily. It's a mystery to me how it came 
into my home, how I got it. Um, but it's it's highly infectious. Were you the only one in your house to get it? Um, I well, no, actually, my my husband got sick too. Oh, did he? Um, okay. None of the children. No, the kids. Funny enough, the kids had uh, go to the school where the very first uh, case was found. Yeah. Because so he all went into lockdown, didn't you? The yeah, whole household. That's right. Yeah. So they've been they've been at home since the beginning of March. So I have every sympathy and understanding for families trying to keep things on the straight and narrow and keep kids in a bit of routine. And, and my heart goes out to leaving cert students and uh, their families and all of that uh, uncertainty. But no, we've been, if you like, uh, to use the phrase, ahead of the curve in terms of this uh, of this virus. And um, so it was only you and your husband. The kids, the, the children, didn't get it. No, well. Whereas the assumption is that they may have done, but they, they didn't, didn't get have sick. the symptoms. They, yeah, they didn't get sick. But and like so many others, by the time you got your positive test results, you were no longer infectious. Isn't that right? Did you wait sixteen days for your results? I, I waited sixteen days, Patricia, and I know I am not unique in in that at all. Um, you know, people have waited as long and longer, and and even some frontline healthcare workers, shockingly uh, enough. So yeah. So that was uh, very difficult uh, to be left in the dark uh, in that way. But I think the most serious consequences of delays like that in getting the result it, is that it um, it means that the contact tracing doesn't happen. So in my case, it was, what, three weeks um, after the fact, uh, more actually, after contact the, the limited number of people I would have been in contact with, but it was more than three weeks before they got a contact tracing call. Now, obviously, that can't that can't be the case. New um, targets have been set. They w- were told that there will be more efficient and am- ambitious uh, testing, and that's very, very welcome. But it has to be real. It has to translate onto the ground. There's no point in having grandiose statements and targets if it's not actually working on the ground because it's that testing regime testing, isolating and tracing we have to have that right to have a safe exit from the yeah, very and, I mean, we, we need to get to a situation where if within 24 hours you need to be able to get a test and get a result. I mean isn't that the yes, ideal? Absolutely, absolutely that is the uh, ideal. More ideal again is if you could have even more rapid almost on the spot testing but the, the quicker the shorter the time frame uh, between being swabbed the test happening and the result coming back to you, the better for for the people and their families concerned, but critically uh, in terms of the contact tracing because we are still now in the coming weeks and months, we are going to have to stay on top of this thing. This virus is with us. We don't have antivirals yet. We don't have a vaccine yet. We will at some stage, but, but science and medicine needs to be given that space and they need to work very rapidly to get us to that point. But in the meantime... Um, we are going to have to have real uh, safety nets to keep us ahead of, of this virus and to keep as many people well as we can and critically to save as many lives as we can. Yeah, that's what it's all about. So the message is stay at home and abide by the restrictions. Absolutely. OK, uh, um, and obviously while we have you on the line, we have to talk about a government. And, a, and first of all, what, are you happy with the way the caretaker government are handling the pandemic? I would I would say that anyone handling this, I mean, it's it's an enormous, enormous uh, challenge. And I'm loath to be, 
you know, overly critical uh, of people who are working in such difficult circumstances. I think they've got some things right. I think the initial uh, analysis informed by the medics and the scientists of, you know, a test, isolate, trace, the physical distancing measures and so on, and the, the asks of, of, of wider society as difficult as they are, th- those were all the right moves. Um, from in, in some instances, I felt that they were a little bit slow off the mark. Um, I think very tragically, uh, mistakes were made in respect of our nursing homes. I think that's that's evident now. That needs to be corrected. Um, there was unnecessary delay, uh, and ironically, in fact, some of the you know the nursing homes themselves knew what they had to do at the beginning of March. Uh, but they were told that they were moving too quickly. I think it's now evident that they, uh, they, they that, that was wrong, uh, that, that was the wrong call. Um, and uh, I would be very conscious of people now who themselves are in, living in congregated settings or residential homes or people who have loved ones in nursing homes and other residential centres. Uh, we, we have to make absolutely sure that we're not just swabbing and testing, but that those swabs and tests actually will amount to redeploying staff, proper health care plans, and that we get stuck in and that they're, all of those settings are given the supports uh, that they need. I, I think today, as we're speaking, one of my my big concerns about how this is being handled by, by government, by the caretaker government, is some of the mixed messages that have been sent out and some of the kite flying. Um you know, everybody wants us to get back functioning and, and, and get back to the business of, of rebuilding jobs and enterprises and all of that. But I just don't think it's helpful for ministers uh, or, or indeed the Taoiseach to be thinking out loud on these matters. I think we need a very, very thoughtful, safe, informed and agreed strategy uh, in terms of exiting and unwinding these measures. It, of course, has to be informed by science. But there also needs to be a political consensus and and floating ideas around, well, we might open this or we might open that, I think is wrong. And then finally, on the leaving cert, and there's mixed views. Some people believe uh, that the the exam should be cancelled and that there should be uh, an assessment method employed. I I, I have some sympathy for, for that position. I also know the difficulties that it has because we, we don't have a tried and tested universal transparent, you know, fair and accepted system to do that. So the decision has been made to hold exams. But like at a minimum, people, students and their families now need much greater certainty as regards, you know, the real the real prospect of them returning for classroom hours, the real prospect of where exams will be held, the real prospect of what the timetable is, because I know that's causing huge, huge anxiety in in homes up and down the country. Yeah, we had a young Leaving Cert student on, on yesterday yeah. and she's immunosuppressed so she's terrified about the idea of going into a room sure. with a group of, of, of other students. Lots of talk obviously about government um, formation um, and there seems to be a lot of focus today on the papers of the Greens and it looks like Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael that the Greens are the, the best prospect of, of securing them. The third party ahead of Labour and the Social Democrats no mention at all of uh, Sinn Féin. Have you been in any talk with Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael? No, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael have decided to exclude Sinn Féin. That, that, um, 
we're all grown-ups and we all know that you can't force people into governmental arrangements with other people. That's 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 as it is. Um, but it's quite something that uh, they would decide to... And, and wear, by the way, as a badge of honour, um, the notion that they would exclude the representatives of about a quarter of the electorate, uh, not even to speak to us, not to even sit down and dialogue on the big issues of the day, housing in particular, health, all of these things that we talked about in the election and which are, are more um, immediate uh, now. I mean, the, the need for the kind of change that we talked about uh, is, is, is all the more uh, acute now. We've spoken to everybody else, Patricia, and actually in the course, in the week since the election, we've done good work with, with the range uh, of parties. Uh, I saw the framework document that Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, uh, produced and if it wasn't case, sent to you not at all no I, okay. I thought I we, it, it got into the public domain no no I mean they have they have decided that they will keep power between themselves and that that we are to be kept out in the last all uh, they were neurotic about the idea of Sinn Féin leading the opposition so they cobbled together this confidence and supply arrangement after the most recent election, they're paranoid about Sinn Féin being in government and delivering change. So they've decided that they will, they'll pull this manoeuvre to try and stop it. And the, the, the depressing part is this. They have their framework document, which wasn't sent to us, but which I have read uh, in any event. And if imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, then we're very flattered because they've clearly tried to cut and paste our ideas and some of the language and the rhetoric, but there's no substance to it. And there's no credibility in those two parties who are in government for the last four years suggesting that they're going to deliver this type of change. They're not. And I mean, I think all of us in politics know that. And having said all of that, Patricia, we need a government and we need a government that can deliver. So I haven't given up... uh, the ghost on anything. But well, actually, think a, a good question. Go under the bridge. A good question from uh, Michael, one of our listeners in Castletown Bear said, Could you ask Mary Lou, please, what is Sinn Fein's programme for government now, as it cannot be the same as before the election, when you bear in mind what's happened with uh, the coronavirus? And have you distributed a new programme for government to other parties? Well, I, I, I think our friend in Castletown Bear is probably talking about our manifesto, because programmes for government are hammered out by parties uh, going into to government. Let me say this. When we said to people in the course of the election that our ambition was to ensure that everybody had a stable roof over their head, for example, that, that we had a rent freeze and proper, proper stability for people in the rental sector, when we said we need to invest in our health service, keep people off trolleys, deal with uh, the, the waiting lists and so on, I would say that the necessity, the urgency to do those things now is actually made uh, all the stronger by what we have been through. I mean, in the course of this crisis, we have all learned, if we didn't already know, that that a stable roof over your head is your sanctuary to to isolate, to to get better, to keep your family safe, to to cocoon for those citizens who are cocooning. So these were very, these, we were talking about the basics. We were talking about getting the basics right. And that needs to happen. Uh, in in this climate now, the whole continent and the whole world uh, has had to put our our economy into a slumber to sleep for weeks uh, for for an extended period of time because we have to keep uh, people well and alive. 
but we're all going to come out of this at some stage and today at a European level the conversation is about something akin to a Marshall type plan after the the war uh, which will be necessary to stimulate to invest not for cutbacks not for austerity the stuff that we had after the banking crisis that would make a, a very difficult situation uh, all the more difficult and is not the road to economic recovery. So all of those things still need to be done. OK, and, and we and we yeah. look to, to Europe. OK, and just very finally, Lehman Middleton says, bearing in mind that you've just recovered from coronavirus, what did Mary Lou uh, make of the group who gathered outside the High Court in Dublin yesterday, ignoring the current restrictions, uh, particularly after she'd been through the coronavirus and that's that case that's before the court. That's right. Did, did I, you see, I, what I did you make of that group? Well, I, I, I think that uh, I think that that was very, very irresponsible. Yeah. Okay. And uh, these these uh, these emergency measures are emergency measures. They're not forever. This isn't about a tyrannical state trying to make people miserable or control people. This is about a virus. This is about biology. This is about health. This is about keeping our people safe and well. Okay, and a number of people want to wish you uh, well on your road to a recovery. Uh, Mary Lou, thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, Patricia. Good morning to you. Uh, Bye-bye. That is the President of Sinn Féin, Mary Lou MacDonald. Court Today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. Make C103 part of your drive home with up-to-date traffic information and local news, your input in selecting our feel-good song of the day, plus our feel-good story and as many of Cork's greatest hits that we can fit into three hours. Join me, Martina O'Donoghue, every weekday from 4 to 7 on C103. And when I was talking about mass, because uh, a listener wanted to know, did I have any idea when mass will be back, when the churches would be open? Uh, somebody said, Patricia, just to listening to your listener there who's uh, so missing mass, uh, could you let that listener know that mass is on every morning on TV, half past ten. Uh, on RTE News Now and it comes from a different church every morning and then it's on on Sunday RTE 1 at 11am just to let that yeah I'm, I'm yeah I don't know whether the listener is aware and has been watching it on uh, TV or not but I just think it's the the going into your church and being in your church is just so important but in the meantime yeah it is great that it's on TV and it is great that so many of our churches now are streaming it live on the internet I've heard some heartbreaking stories of family members who can't attend funerals because of the social distancing and the way we're doing funerals uh, today and uh, of course if a loved one dies and their family member is overseas they haven't you know they can't even come home for it and people are watching it from all over the world are tuning in on laptops and on smartphones to watch you know, a funeral mass of a, a much loved mother or father and doing it on the internet so at least it's a little bit of a connection they can in some way feel that they are partaking and somebody else says that mass from St Mary's Church in Mallow on TV now oh they must have picked yeah because it's a different church every morning that they decide to select, which is a, a nice way of doing it. They move it around uh, the country, but it's yeah, but it's for people who just want to get back into the church there. So many people are finding it hard. OK, and somebody said, I voted for Sinn Féin. This is my follow-on, uh, my interview with Mary Lou. I'm sickened that Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael are going into government. I had hoped for change. I voted for change. This is not the change that I voted for. And somebody else reckons, we will we see another 
general election. I don't know. I mean, they're at the stage that the Greens are have are seen by many, certainly it seems that they're seen by Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael as the best prospect of the third party and that would be ahead of Labour and ahead of the Social Democrats. But the Green Party have said that they have a number of key commitments are needed. I mean, they want an acceleration of Ireland's carbon reductions to 7.8% a year before they will enter full coalition talks, let alone uh, go into government itself. And I was also reading that there's talks that Eamon Ryan if there was, you know, a revolving Taoiseach in that there's been talks that Michael Martin would be the Taoiseach first and then that would be followed by Leo Varadkar in a joint coalition between Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. But there's even been talks that uh, Eamon Ryan uh, could end up as a Taoiseach as well if the Greens decide to go into government. But nobody knows at this stage whether the Greens are going to go into the government or not or whether it's going to be Labour, whether it's going to be Social Democrats. And I also know the they have been speaking with a lot of the independents and the rural TDs of which our own rural part of that rural TD group is uh, Michael Collins. I know John Paul was working on trying to get Michael on to the programme because I would be interested to see what sort of a commitment and what was spoken about to the rural TDs and what would be, we know with the Greens, we know that their red line is going to be a reduction in a carbon reduction. You know, they will not go into government unless they get some kind of commitment on carbon reductions. But I would be really interested to hear what the rural TDs look for when they went in to have their chat with Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael and to see are they are they seriously considering going into government or not. So I don't know if we're going to get to that uh, tomorrow or not, but I know John Paul has been working on it. Text would not be happy to see the Greens go into uh, government and that was not part of the change that people voted for. 1850 I've got to take a break. We've got news at 11. We're going to be talking about consumer rights in the next hour with COVID-19 in mind, particularly around flights and package holidays. So if you've got a question for our consumer expert, please get it into us either to John Paul and say to your text or WhatsApp me to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. I'm calling on everyone to do what is asked of them to be tolerant and compassionate, to think about each other before we think about ourselves. Your decisions will save lives. What may be an inconvenience for some will be life saving for others. Stay strong, stay safe and stay at home. Thank you very much. We live in challenging times. Look out for each other and stay safe. Be responsible. Follow COVID-19 guidelines and stay with us. We'll update you with the latest advice and measures from official sources. We're online, on your phone, smart speaker and radio. C103. The World Health Organization has now upgraded the coronavirus to a worldwide pandemic. Here are some practical ways to protect yourself. Wash your hands properly and often. Cover your mouth and nose when you cough or sneeze. And dispose of used tissues. Disinfect frequently touched objects. Avoid close contact with people who are unwell. Don't touch your eyes, nose or mouth if your hands are not clean. And please follow travel advice from the Department of Foreign Affairs. This message is supported by Irwin's Pharmacy, Shandon Street, Mayfield and Toker. Always looking after your family. For coronavirus updates and information, stay listening to C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
Let's see if we can help out some listeners. A listener was on to us. They've lost keys. It was a large bunch of keys lost on the road between Donnerail and Ballyclaw. That's in the Mallow area. And there's a reward on offer. If anybody found this, a large bunch of keys. Could you hand them in to the local Garda station? I'm assuming the Garda station in Mallow. If you or you heard of somebody who found a large bunch of keys, the person reckons they lost it somewhere between Donnerail and Ballyclaw. And then Mary in Skibbereen was on to us wondering uh, are there any hardware stores open or doing click and collect or doing delivery in the Skibbereen in Skibbereen town uh, Mary is looking for stuff I don't know what I don't know what the stuff is but she needs to buy items that can only be purchased at a hardware store and uh, she's just wondering if any if there's any local stores listening or if anybody has purchased items in the Skibbereen area if you could let us know please and we could pass on the information to Mary so anywhere in Skibbereen either doing deliveries from a hardware store or doing click and collect I mean there are talk, they, there's lots of talk about hardware stores reopening with social distancing after the 5th of May. At the moment we know that they are closed. So if anybody can help out Mary on that one please call us 1850 or you can text or WhatsApp to 0862 Okay. A lot of reaction to Mary Lou MacDonald's been on the programme and the talk of the formation of a new government and what we're looking at at the moment Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael 72 seats between them that means they're 8 short of a majority the Green Party have 12 seats so there's lots of discussions going on at the moment between Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael and the Green Party about the possibility of forming a new government some of your thoughts uh, into us uh, Madge would not be happy about the Greens actually I'm surprised that the number of people who are contacting us wouldn't be happy about the Greens in government. Pat says, morning Patricia it was great to hear Mary Lou on the programme this morning and thank God she is okay. It is a pure shame for Micheál Martin and I would say Leo Varadkar that they will go to any lengths to keep Mary Lou out of government just because she's a woman. We've had women presidents before so why not Mary Lou as our first female Taoiseach? Ach, I don't know if it's got anything to do with Mary Lou being a female. I think both Finn Fall and Fina Gale just refused to talk to Sinn Féin. I mean, we knew in the run-up to the election it was anyone but Sinn Féin. It's always been anyone but Sinn Féin, I think, for Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. I don't think, hand on heart, that it's got anything to do with the fact that Mary Lou is a female. But uh, thank you for your uh, text. Michael says, uh, Patricia, when I heard you talk about the possibility of Eamon Ryan, leader of the Green Party, possibly becoming Taoiseach, I said to myself, OK, put Micheál Martin in for the first two years as Taoiseach, followed by Leo Varadkar for the next two years, and then offer Eamon Ryan the last year of the five. That way, the Greens couldn't walk away from government. You would be more or less sure of a five-year government Otherwise, question mark, question mark, question mark, says uh, Michael. While Mary disagrees, Mary says, Hi Patricia, three in the bed never worked for me. When one of the children climbed into the bed during the night, one of us always had to get out. The same will happen 
to this proposed government. There will be another election in the not too distant future. Mark my words, it can't work, says uh, Mary. Dan in Mallow says, Hi Patricia, great to hear Mary Lou MacDonald on your programme this morning and great to hear that she's back to full health. It's obvious that she and her party have been stitched up by the power gluttons of Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, propped up by now what may be the Green Party, a party that they wouldn't have looked at sideways at any other times. While I do believe that the best thing Mary Lou can do is leave them off, they won't last more than 12 months before their egos will get the better of them and they'll implode. Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, this is according to Dan and Mallow in Mallow, will never learn or listen to the public, but their day will come and I bet it'll be sooner than later before they'll dissolve into history like the COVID-19 uh, virus. So Dan's speculating that we will have another election. Actually, I was talking to somebody about this over the weekend, about the, you know, what would happen if Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael couldn't get anybody to agree and we didn't have a government and uh, while a lot of people have suggested a national government, would we end up having to to have some kind of a national government? I mean, there's no way we could run any kind of an election with the restrictions that are in place and surely an election until there's so many things have been spoken about that we can't do it until we have a vaccine. Surely hosting a general election would be the same. We wouldn't just wouldn't wouldn't we could not possibly uh, consider holding an election. I mean, even with social distancing, could you imagine the voting? Could you imagine the count? I just, I don't know. I don't know how it could be done. Anyway, only time will tell. Okay, thank you for your thoughts and comments on that. Oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. Just on some other issues. Then Mary says, Patricia, I was out in Donnerell and I saw a plant hire company working. It seems to me a law for one and another. My husband was refused when he wanted to go out and cut grass. Well, if it's a plantar company, because the Gardaí have been stopping businesses that they deem are not essential and making them go home. I mean, I don't know what the plantar company uh, was doing, but maybe it was deemed uh, essential work. And here's another one uh, picking up on people being out at work. Patricia, just wanted to text you to ask you, John Paul, Sadie and their listeners' views on this. People who live near me got a landscaper in yesterday, mini digger, uh, to plant some hedging. They gentleman, the landscaper, stayed there all day and all the family were there and he even brought his child with him so that his child could play with the children that were in the house. Now this listener says so obviously he's claiming a COVID payment at this time. I don't know how you can, how you know that but anyway, so if he is claiming a COVID payment and then he's evading of this job as a nixer on the quiet and here we are not able to call to our mam's house and for, we're forbidding our children to visit uh, us to make this even worse. The lady in the household is a uh, teacher. What would others think of uh, that? Well, you're assuming a lot of things. You're assuming that the landscaper is the guy with the mini digger is is on a payment. I just don't know how you would if the guards if you'd met with the guards. Where are you going? I'm going out with my mini digger to plant hedging. I don't know if that's how that would be deemed essential work. But we're always going to get people breaching the restrictions and people chancing their arm and people trying to get some some work done. That's been happening all the time. I mean, all I suppose we can hope for is that the majority of us abide by the rules. And if the majority of us can stick with us, stick with it, we hopefully can get rid of this virus. But we will never get 100% compliance. I mean, as somebody mentioned that case in the High Court, which I'm refusing to mention the people involved because I just don't want to give them the airtime. Um, but what happened in the High Court in Dublin with those people turning out was absolutely disgraceful. I mean, it was disgraceful. And they had been there the day before as well on the day when 
Debenhams workers in Dublin who appeared to me in the photograph to be social distancing and the Gardaí moved them on and yet you could have these group standing outside the High Court in a large group. There must have been easily 40 people there all bunched together nothing to do with social distancing and it was and they got away with it even though I saw in the paper today there, there are talks now looking into how that, that was actually policed I know the, the Gardaí went there yesterday and some names were taken but nobody was uh, arrested but you will always my point being you'll always get people who will who will break the restrictions do we need more people fined maybe uh, we do OK hi Patricia initially all the coronavirus testing was traceable to individuals who had travelled from infected areas or who had been near somebody who had travelled to an affected areas. If there had been restrictions on travel immediately, the risk of infection would have been greatly reduced in this country. Country Geographically, adopting a more drastic approach earlier could have spared the consequences of spreading the virus and limited our economic damage. We will only be safe when the virus is completely eliminated from our uh, island. Yeah. And when there's a vaccine in place, I mean, I think that's the only way it's going to be completely uh, eliminated because you're always going to have those people we were just talking about, people who will always break the rules, who will always breach the restrictions. And if we did manage to eliminate it completely from the island, do we then lock the island down and allow nobody else to come into this country? Because if we eliminate it from the island and then you allow anyone in on a plane, somebody else could bring it in. And remember, Somebody came into this country with coronavirus. One person came on to this island with coronavirus and from that one person it it spread and that's the way it's happened all over the world. Um, Thank you for your text. Patricia, the government now would want to start getting this country back to normality. They should not be looking at other countries as these countries are a lot bigger. As for Germany, I've got a daughter who lives in Germany and she told me that when the virus started, the government there closed up at the very beginning. People travelling to Germany, for example, were only allowed in if they had a German passport. Our government seemed to have left every Tom, Dick and Harry into this country and, and Germany. Now, you know, we've done well in this country, certainly when it comes to the flattening of the curve. Can we keep it flattened is going to be the next big job in hand but when you're looking at other countries and how other countries did Germany did particularly or or are doing particularly well on the number of debts they don't seem to have anything like the number of debts that other countries are having even though they're still getting a number of cases of coronavirus but they seem to and I don't know what that is and what they're doing different to other uh, countries and I don't know if, if it's they have a younger population maybe it's because we've got an older population that we're seeing more deaths or not but a lot of those things of course will be analysed when it's all when this pandemic leaves us and it will leave us but it's just a matter of, of when and when a vaccine and a safe vaccine becomes available. Hi Patricia, can you inform me please if it is correct that people that have Sky TV can get a refund on their package as there's no live sports been shown and if this is correct can you tell me the phone number please and how to make a contact uh, thanking you a Southwest uh, listener actually and my apologies because somebody else messaged about this yesterday because it was something we spoke about a couple of weeks ago. If you have Sky Sports you need to get onto them. I think it's a bit mean to Sky Sports why they just don't give the refund to everybody but anyway it's not a refund. They just deduct it from your monthly subscription. For example, I, I did it and I think we're paying €50 Euro less now 
than what we were paying. So it's 50 euro is what the Sky Sports cost. Okay, I have a number for you. It's 0818 719 819. 0818 719 819. I know you can also do it online as well, but you have to physically make contact with Sky either by ringing them or by going online and tell them that you want to uh, temporarily, it's you're temporarily suspending your Sky Sports subscription. And then I think the deal is that when Sky Sports is back, um, they'll start charging you again. But they're not offering a refund. It's just you, you will be 50 euro less on your Sky subscription. So, I mean, it's something, particularly with people who are struggling at the moment with with bills that have to be paid when people are out, are out of work, etc. But as I say, it just kind of annoys me that they didn't just automatically stop charging people for the Sky Sports. And why are they making people contact them? But that's that's the, the way they're doing it. And we will be talking consumer rights, by the way, in a, a couple of minutes. And hi, Patricia, just one final text. Have you any news and when construction workers will be going back to work. I don't, but the huge speculation is that they are going to be the first industry that are going to be allowed to go back to work and how we, there's already indicators they've told the operators of construction sites are already putting plans in place because they need to make sure that social distance, distancing is in place. They need to make sure that all of the workers that turn up on the sites will be safe. You know, hand washing, all of that, sanitizers are going to have to be put in place and workers already began on that. You'll already see it if you're living anywhere near construction sites. You'll already see some workers are in there and a lot of that is to prepare for when the restrictions are moved fully. So I would... I would imagine that it's not full back to work. It's not going to be until after the May bank holiday weekend. And then it's it's probably going to be site by site. It'll be when the developer or the builder is ready and feels that they're ready to allow their workers uh, back in. But uh, it it is expected to be the first industry to be announced to be allowed back to work when the restrictions are lifted. So it'll be next week we'll get a definite confirmation on it. But my gut instinct would tell me it'll be after the May bank holiday weekend. 1850 C103 Jobs. Bicycle mechanic and a sales advisor is wanted for Cycle Scene Bicycle Shop and that shop is in Blarney Street in Cork City and a part-time position by the way is also available. A production operator is wanted for food industry that's in the West Cork area. Some previous experience please would be an advantage and cleaners are wanted for immediate start to work in Mallow in Bantry and in Castle Island. It's four hours, it's an evening time job from 8pm to 12, five days per week. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. Mary in Skibbereen who contacted us because she's got work that she wants done around the house and she needs a hardware store and wondering was there any hardware store open in the doing deliveries or click and collect in the Skibbereen area. A number of people have been on to say that Thornhill Hardware in Skibbereen is open and it's a click and collect service is what they are doing. Okay, for Mary in Skibbereen, Thornhills are opened. Now, there are lots of consumer issues going on at the moment as a direct result of the COVID-19 pandemic, especially when it comes to package holidays and cancelled flights. To offer some advice, I'm joined by Dermot Jewell of the Consumer Association of Ireland. Good morning to you, Dermot. Good morning, Patricia. Nice to speak with and you. And I love it to speak with you. I imagine your organisation, are you very busy at the moment? 
Yeah, um, very busy. Um, and with a lot of similar queries, I can't help but feel to, to those that, that you're going to raise yourself um, because there's a good degree of confusion that's entered into the market, which has been driven potentially by, by, by businesses in the trade who are doing... I suppose I'll be the one who's 26 years doing this, saying that they're being a little bit awkward um, towards a lot of consumers um, at a difficult time for the consumers. And I'm afraid that um, even at ministerial level, the the business element, whilst I fully appreciate the difficulties and dilemmas there, I think the consumer dilemma is being overlooked to a degree whereby people who really really need money back mm. and need it sooner than later I've been completely ignored Yeah it's almost like the businesses are being protected and, and to hell with the consumers Yeah Okay let's start with the travel the the a, a cancelled flight Are you entitled to a re- refund because this notion of the airline trying to get people to take a voucher instead The quick answer is yes you're entitled to a refund um, and the difficulty as we've just started to outline there is that Quite a number of the airlines, and actually I'll name the airlines because Ryanair were very, it was, they, they were the ones receiving all the kudos from the early point where they came out and said, yeah, we'll give refunds, of course you will. Um, and then they, and I would have argued at the time, understandably said, look, we're actually going to go back, go to vouchers for the moment because we don't have the staff, we don't have the resources, and we can't make the refunds because it's there's just too many inquiries. And I could understand that. So what we'll do is, in the interim, we'll issue a voucher. Now, what was missing with that level of information is, and it's still unclear, is if we accept the voucher, can we, when hopefully within within the period of time that this voucher is being issued, can we return it back um, and trade it in for the cash refund that we are entitled to as consumers under consumer law? And that has not been clarified. Yeah, and and I know a number of people contacted us to say it's the voucher is only valid for a year. Yes, and this is the other element. And I must be honest, there's even I have to put my hand up here. I I, I have I hold a law degree, but I'm struggling to get the specific. I've gone through the act that put in place the new five year term on 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 vouchers. Yeah, and I am. I, I, it's very, it's clear as it sits, Patricia. It's very clear. It's not a bother. The problem is, is that when you go into what is not covered in a re, in a voucher, it is the, 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 let me, sorry, I'm being, I'm waffling. The voucher specifies that where somebody purchases a gift voucher and, and off it goes. What it does not say is where somebody is provided with a gift voucher in a circumstance such as we're experiencing now. It does not mention or cover, because probably somebody never saw it coming, it doesn't cover what what is the validity on term for which that has to be issued. And it's it's another one of those ones that everybody's scratching their head and going, okay, what are we going to do? So we're waiting to hear back on that. Does it worry you to hear from the Department of Transport and the Minister, Shane Ross, saying that he is worried about the serious impact on the financial position of the companies in the travel sector and that the Minister is considering the credit note as an option in his determination to strike a fair balance between protecting jobs and consumers in these unprecedented times. It does concern me because the one element that's missing fairly significantly from that statement is that it suggests 
to me, certainly, um, and to the association that, that the council are concerned with this, it suggests a, almost a preferential treatment of a form to the business because it's missing the point that the very consumers who paid their money in advance have are already out of pocket and who have now either lost their job completely or are certainly in, in, in a risk situation in terms of the limited amount of income they have in their household badly need the refund that they're entitled to under law. And this is seeking to push consumer law, which took years to put in place, Patricia, to push it aside. And I really think that's wrong. Yeah, it does. It, it just seems so, so uh, unfair. Is it... it Okay, is it different when it comes to a package holiday? Because I can see a number of questions coming in on uh, package holidays. And in particular, people who booked a package holiday at the start of the year, not due to go on holidays until July or August, some are saying that they've been told they've got to wait until the flight is cancelled. And that's true, because that is literally the way the law does work. Right now, their their flight is travelling, um, their hotel is is. is expecting to be allowed to open and and give them the business and um, that they have contracted with that consumer to provide but until there is in and this is not necessarily anybody's fault until there's a clarity surrounding is it safe to say that to people that they can travel um can we put a couple of hundred people on a plane sitting next to each other until that is clarified um nobody can take an action and that's why the 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 the, the travel agents are that they're an agent for for other people who are putting together a, hol- a hotel a holiday, um, and they're all waiting on each other to be advised. Sorry, we've no choice. This is cancelled, and when it's cancelled, then it all all the system clicks in, which is you're entitled to a refund, or if you want, you can try to. Um, and I'll, I'll explain a, a little bit. Of, a, but of the, the worry we have in this regard, explain, do you want to reschedule, which of course is is, is an option that you're always offered, um, or do you want to, to seek some other option? The options are going to be very, very limited because the problem is, as I mentioned to somebody yesterday, every single individual who has had a cancellation and wants to A, use a voucher, or B, reschedule, are all going to try to fit themselves into a very short timeline, which is just not feasible. Nobody can take that much business in the remainder of the summer, so it all needs to go into potentially next year. And there's no clarification on that, understandably, either. Mary says, I've booked flights with Ryanair for the 27th of June to Lanzarote. I don't want to go now with COVID-19. What are my rights or what can I do? Unless, until... What happens is, is you have to be told the flight is cancelled or you need to know from the Department of Foreign Affairs that you are not allowed to travel to that area. Um, there's no clarification on that and this is the problem that everybody's trying to fix out. It's still, we won't really, really hear what's happening until we get towards May when government issues the statement that they're going to determining what is going to happen after the 5th of May. In that regard, today, as I understand it, Patricia, um, all ministers are holding a meeting to try to determine what they will do, and they're trying to get as many member states to agree that they will all sing from the same image, which will help hugely.
Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, another Mary says, we've booked flights directly with Aer Lingus. The flights are booked for July. But now that the leaving cert has changed, and we were talking about this yesterday, it's uh, it could be sat now on the 29th of July. We're not going to be in a position to go. Can we get a refund based on that? The, the general approach to that would be no, because that is not the fault, of, if you like, of the airline or anything to do with the with the, the all the other agents who are involved in providing the the, the holiday or in the background of simple flight. Um, unless the flight is cancelled, no. Have you got really good reasons? That is a new one. That's never been brought up before, which is, I can't go because of a family reason. That usually applied to, to illness, yeah. serious illness. Yeah. Even insurances are not preparing. They, they, there's, there are struggles with this. Now, I'm not being very helpful here, but the problem I'm trying to put forward is that nobody has addressed these problems yet because there's a time gap, and they're trying to see, can that time gap be filled with some positivity, or are they going to have to say, look, in all honesty, we're not going to allow any travel between now and next October or something. Mm. And they may do that. If that happens, then yes, you will be able to say, look, I can't travel. I'm not allowed to travel. Happy days. And that sounds terrible. But once you've a a positive decision taken, you know where you stand. We all would know where we stand. And very few of us do at the moment. Okay, and then there's a couple of people who have been on to us who booked the package holiday. They put a deposit at the start of the year and now... Coming up to May, they're looking, the company is looking for the full amount of the holiday to be paid, even though in one case, in Donald's case, the travel, the holiday is not booked until uh, July. Do you have to pay the full amount in order to get the refund or can you get the refund on your deposit? The terms and conditions that seem to be being suggested to people are the normal terms and conditions, which are that um, you've booked a holiday, you've paid the deposit, you have to pay the balance within a certain period of time. That should reasonably be being delayed by the travel agents. Um, they should be in a position to say to everybody involved, hang on a minute, are you really honestly expecting people are going to pay money? A, they may not have it. B, they may not have lost their position, their job. We know we have a contract, but nobody's going to pay you money when they don't know if they're going to be in a position to travel. So I, there's, um, we really need to hear from the travel agents, I suppose, in that regard. But as it stands, if, if I'm to, to, to take the legal interpretation, you should be paying the balance now because the, the way it's planned and the way we understand it, you will be able to travel. But common sense dictates in the back of every single person's mind, that's not going to happen. Yeah, so yeah. common sense would dictate that somebody issues a statement saying, if you have to make a balance of a payment on a holiday, Either A, you pay it by a credit card, and I'll explain why in a minute, or B, it is we are introducing a delay in that. Right now, we will assume um, that your 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 um, deposit will be sufficient. Now, that's a risk for the travel side, and I, this is where I'm acknowledging that business will be saying, what is he saying? But I've got to be honest, people may not have the money and they may be worried about getting it back. They don't want a voucher and coming back in a circle. So they, they, if somebody determines a voucher is equal to a refund, which it's not, then there's a problem um, and it's got to be resolved now. And the, coming back to the credit card, the reason I mentioned paying by credit card is that whilst I acknowledge there's a, I have got to keep saying this, there's a contract there which determines you're supposed to pay an amount of money. If you pay an amount of money through a credit card, 
the sale of goods and services, sales of, go- sale of goods and provision of services act dictates that when you pay that amount of money, the credit card company, the finance house, pays that money on your behalf. So they hold a degree of responsibility for a resolution of a problem if one arises, um, which will allow you to say to the credit card company, if you've not paid that on yet, I know it's 56 days credit that applies, will you please hold it because I have a big problem? And they may be able to act as an ally, a help in stalling the payment to some degree and coming to a resolution on it. Okay, hi. Um, Flights booked to Australia with USIT, they've gone into liquidation, trying to get a refund. Any advice, please? The difficulty is you need to get in touch with the liquidator or you need to get in touch with, if if it's, and it is full liquidation, as you understand it, yes. The big problem in this, and we've all experienced it before, the the average consumer um, comes way, way down the line and in, in terms of a list of people to whom um, whatever money recovered um, will go to, generally it goes to the, 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 the revenue commissioners first. All taxes have to be paid with priority. After that follow um, priority creditors who would be airlines, etc., and travel agents involved because they have got um, priority contracts. And after that come the consumers and so the, unfair. the students who've paid. So, so unfair. And, it's, yeah. and those flights are, are expensive. Here's an interesting one. I got an Aer Lingus voucher. Got a present of it at Christmas. It says valued for a year. But I know I won't want to travel this year. Will my voucher still be valid next year? Um, to all intents and purposes, the, the way the legislation was provided is that um, it, if, if it came in before the uh, date of um, the legislation coming in, then the one year holds. But because of the air, this particular airline involved, I think if you approach them, but approach them um, requesting that they would extend it to meet the current legislation of five years, I would think, um, and I'm only putting this on a good reaction, that they would um, uh, uh, help you out on that and it, um, extend the, the, the period. Um, that said, I'd like to send a message to Erling saying that those people who have signed up for vouchers, would you please issue them? Um, I know certain people, including yours truly, who's waiting over a month now and there's no sign of a voucher. Uh, and I've, I've applied for a refund and I haven't got a refund either. So can I throw my... Top and safety worth in as well. Good for you. <laughs> You're a better woman than I because I, I gave up. I did you? I did. I tried to get the refund. I, I held out. It was, it was three flights and I said I'd prefer the money in because I don't know when I'm going to travel again. Okay. Hi, sis Heidi. Uh, could you ask? I booked for the June 1st a flight to Spain, booked a holiday. Uh, I don't want to go as there's older people involved with the travel and obviously not going to take the risk. But the 1st of June, more than likely that flight will be, um, that holiday will probably be cancelled. But you have to wait to see if these flights are cancelled isn't it? Yes you do yeah. and, and to hear what is the advice that's coming from as I say the Department of Foreign Affairs are you allowed to travel and what are what what regulations do they want to, to come in under EU provisions and World Health Organisation provisions but what I would do in the interim you've mentioned a, a number of elderly people there I would get um, some documentation which will not be difficult to get under the current circumstances suggesting that these people should not be travelling um, and and submit that sooner than later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because they, they really they should not be travelling. It's not it's not good for their health. It's not. And you, if you wanted to argue, you know, it's not good for anybody else. And um, because this this the, the, 
the fact that COVID is going to suddenly vanish in the next few weeks is not, it's unrealistic, you know. So there's always going to be a liability and a threat. But I, I would take that route um, very much initially. And of course, we haven't mentioned here, make an inquiry in terms of what exactly does your insurance, your travel insurance cover? Um, because if you have it in place, there's a good potential that it, 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 there's some help somewhere in there. Bernard booked a holiday for the 26th of May. The government has said no travelling until after the 29th of May. Uh, he thought by the government statement he was entitled to a full refund. He's contacted his travel agent who says he can't, until the flights are cancelled, they won't uh, consider issuing a refund. Yeah, and this is true. We've we've spoken about this. Um, and, and this is the problem um, that has come up, if you like, even with, with Aer Lingus um, and Ryanair. Flights have taken off. Um, certainly for, in my own case, the flight that I was booked on took off. It oh. went to the US um, on the date which... But went, you couldn't get into the US. They wouldn't have let you off the plane. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I mentioned that at the time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, all I can say to, to, to listeners is this, this is not over. But, um, yeah, flights do take off and this is the problem and the easy answer is well we've got to wait till the flight's cancelled um, the flight does need to be cancelled but in all honesty if all of these cases are to be held over when this has gone over and they head into the small claims court or any other means of alternative dispute resolution there is no question that you know that there are laws there that provide you should be entitled to a refund the flight should have been cancelled and this is to all intents and purposes, um, you know, the wrong approach to be taken by airlines. So, you know, stick to your guns, keep saying, look, the flight may not be cancelled, but waiting is ridiculous. I'm, I'm, I'm applying now, officially do it in writing, for a refund under the circumstances where we are told we should not be travelling, um, and that ends it. Okay. Uh, just on a couple of different issues. All the concerts and the festivals and all of those are now being uh, cancelled. Lister wants to know, can the promoter just reschedule the concert? Now, what they're talking about here is the case with the Westlife concerts here in Cork. They haven't uh, cancelled. They've rescheduled it for exactly a year later. But a listener, no offer of a refund on the tickets. Are they allowed to do that? Um. Th- th- it's an interesting question. They've used the word reschedule, and I've come out against this. The bottom line of it is, write to um, again, take your 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 case, write it directly um, to directly to the to the promoter, the agency to whom you gave your money. Tell them you want a refund. A rescheduling does not suit, and wait to see what comes back. If it comes back saying, "Well, we're just rescheduling," that's wrong. So. Again, I would recommend people contact the small claims court with this one. Okay, and he- we know health insurance companies are issuing uh, refunds on premiums. Does Dermot feel that the motor insurance company should follow suit? Um, most certainly. I know there will be slightly different, difficult situations in it, and by by that I mean um, there's third party fire and theft in this. There may be a, a consideration. Well, supposing God forbid, but supposing your car went on fire in the drive or it was stolen. You don't, you want to remain covered. So, again, a goodwill gesture of, this is one where some form of a rebate, um, simply saying, you remain covered, we're just giving you X amount of money back, no terms, no conditions, that's it, would be, would be the, the way forward with this. But yes, there should be some money given back because 
Um, the, this is all to do with the cost of claims. It's a pooled effort. There's no question that the cost of claims will reduce dramatically in this period, which may suggest that the industry may say, yes, okay, but we always look at the cost of claims retrospectively, so we'll give a voucher, or we'll, gosh, a voucher on the brain, we'll give a refund mm, next yeah. year. Okay, and a final one from Sally, who says, if people do manage to get away on holidays in June or uh, July, would they be expected to self-isolate for two weeks after they come home from holidays? It's a good question. Yeah, I don't know yeah. because the interesting thing is if you look at what's coming down, potentially coming down the line, they've started it in Germany just now and I can't have a fear that it's going to be suggested here and um, there will be a need for every single individual leg- le- legally to wear a mask. Um, I can't have a fear that's going to be introduced here yeah, for, yeah. to have some fear. So it's going to be a difficult scenario, I think. And, and a lot a lot will come out, I think, of that meeting today at the EU level. And, and Michael, actually, Castletown Bear has just said in Britain, the government over there have said no more foreign holidays for the rest of this year. And maybe that's the kind of certainty we need in this country. That's exactly yeah. what we need. OK, exactly listen, um, uh, we, uh, pleasure as always to talk to you, Dermot. No doubt we'll talk again. But uh, look after yourself. You too, Patricia. Take care. Bye-bye. Dermot Jewell there of the Consumer Association of Ireland. Court today on C103. With Mallow College. Now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. To the Irish people, I say thank you for the sacrifices you've made so far. We all want to be outside. We want to be with friends and family. We want to see the mountains and the sea. We want to be free. And I know it is very difficult, but every sacrifice that we make is helping to save lives. It's making sure that our health service is not overwhelmed. It's making things a little easier for those working on the front line. We live in challenging times. Look out for each other and stay safe. Be responsible. Follow COVID-19 guidelines and stay with us. We'll update you with the latest advice and measures from official sources. We're online, on your phone, smart speaker and radio. C103. Live at the Marquee, Aiken Promotions have just issued a statement saying we will have an update for people tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Tomorrow afternoon, we live at the Marquee for 2020 and 2021. This was meant to be the last live at the Marquee. Are we going to have a live at the Marquee next year instead? And Aiken Promotions say thank you for your patience. So we will wait and see what that announcement is going to be tomorrow at at 2 o'clock. Let's take a break and head to the newsroom at uh, 12 noon. Court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. The C103 Cork Diary is a free service to help non-profit organisations all over Cork. So, if you're a community group or a charity that's holding a fundraising event or meeting, send us the details at least one week in advance and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email info at c103.ie. The Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. C103. Every couple has a story of how they met. My mum met my dad at school uh, in detention. My best friend met his wife at a club through a friend of a friend. And my boss met her fiancé after they got chatting online. 
find someone to share your story with at c103dating.ie. 24% of Irish people have tried online dating and one in five relationships begin there. At c103dating.ie, we have genuine nice people that would like to meet you. Begin your story today by registering for free at c103dating.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And we're getting an official update from Live at the Marquee. We're not expecting it down until two o'clock uh, tomorrow. But they're saying an official announcement about Live at the Marquee 2020 and 2021, which is giving us great hopes that we will have a marquee session next year. So more from that at two o'clock tomorrow. Just a couple of quick texts. Uh, Patricia, do you think that the mobile home holiday parks will open this year? Ugh. My gut instinct would say no, but we're going to have to wait until more restrictions are lifted can't see anything happening certainly when the restrictions when there's talks of some restrictions being lifted uh, next week my gut instinct would say no but um, we'll see what others think about that mobile homes and camping sites etc will they reopen it's the only time will tell and Anne on the consumer issues what happens about travel insurance says Anne I have multi-trip and was supposed to be travelling in May and in June won't be going anywhere now so will I get some of it back well you can apply for your refund and if you don't get it back absolutely Dermot Jewell of the Consumer Association said yeah try with your try with your travel insurance and see how you get on there and Mary says our show in the Gaiety Theatre was cancelled for last Sunday now we did get our money back but less the booking fees I'm wondering is that correct it is because booking fees are non-refundable it's because the booking fee uh the company, in your case it was the Gaiety, they already paid the credit card charges incurred by processing your original order. Those charges are non-refundable. So this, that the Gaiety are keeping the money. That money would have gone on to the, for the actual, that's why it's called a booking fee. It goes on to the banks, the credit card company, whoever you booked with. So yeah, that's absolutely, Mary, uh, while it's galling that you don't get your full amount uh, back, that's standard procedure that the booking fee, uh, non-refundable. Okay, uh, a little bit later than normal, we're going for this week's Agartha file and uh, Sergeant James O'Donovan, Crime Prevention Officer, joins me. Good afternoon to you, James. Good afternoon, Patricia. And James, before we get into the Garda file, I just want to give a quick mention to a piece that I spotted in today's Irish Examiner, Own English, uh, is writing about two probationer Gardaí, Padraig O'Neill and Emily Marr. Great picture of them, social distancing outside from Oigarda Station. There's a lovely piece in the paper about them uh, yesterday because they helped an elderly person who got breakfast and they brought her home and waited with her until the ambulance uh, came but they really are out on the beach they clocked up 42 and a half thousand kilometres no steps no sorry (laughs) sorry 60,000 steps it was 42 and a half kilometres just out on the beach yesterday goodness me are you going to be fit at the end of this yeah, I suppose it could be one of the, the upsides to this. There's a lot of Gardaí out there doing a lot of beat patrols, both in the city and across the county. And I, I know here in Bandon now, we have a particular Sergeant Roisin O'Dea, and she's on the beat from 8 o'clock in the morning until 6 o'clock in the evening, and she's covering a lot of ground. And most Gardaí and those that are detailed on the beat are covering off a lot of ground, giving help to those who want it in the community. So fair play to them, and I'm sure and the fitness giving, will improve. it's giving great comfort, James, to a lot of people. Yes, um, and I, look, I suppose from a, from a community point of view and community relations, we're there to assist people. And we've done this work throughout uh, our careers as such, but I suppose it's getting a lot more um, press attention over the last number of weeks with COVID-19. It puts people's mind at ease that the Gardaí are there to assist them. I suppose 
uh, I've always thought that the Gardaí are there to help with anything, no matter if it's a, ca- a cat up a tree or helping a person arrange for a lift into town or something like that. Community policing has always done that kind of work. We've reallocated and restructured our force so that there is more people available for this community work. And the feedback has been phenomenal from the community in relation to what we're doing ourselves. But it's not just us alone. It's everyone. Mm. It's community alert groups. It's uh, volunteers. It's the West Cork uh, local link. It's the GA clubs. It's the shops. The the community support is phenomenal, Patricia. And I know that you've covered it there on numerous occasions over the last couple of weeks. And we're just glad to be able to help anyone that needs our assistance at any time at all. So well, I, what I have to say, and we had a um, WhatsApp in earlier from somebody, I can't find it, there's just so many WhatsApps coming in, from somebody who was saying, well, everyone is thanking, you know, the frontline, the health workers and the nurses and the doctors and the care assistants and all of that. Somebody particularly wanted to thank the Gardaí for the great work that they're doing. So, uh, so and, well, we and, appreciate and, and I'm only too glad you. to get that mention. And I also thought it was with interest, uh, a day without burglaries, it's the first time ever since records began in Dublin, that they had a full day without a, a, burgl- a burglary. So hopefully criminals are deciding to uh, take time out when it comes to this uh, coronavirus. Yes, and I suppose I'll touch on that later on the show. Just because we're saying that their crime is low, it doesn't mean that people need to take yeah. their mind off um, I suppose securing their homes and I'll, I'll touch on that there in a okay. minute. Let's start though with criminal damage and this was an event that happened in Kinsale. Yes, this happened in Kinsale on Sunday the 12th of April so Easter Sunday at about 9pm there was um, I suppose a derelict house there in Lower O'Connell Kinsale and Gardaí were alerted to a small fire in an upstairs room there so we're asking people if anyone saw anyone acting suspicious on Easter Sunday around 9pm in the Lower O'Connell area of Kinsale to contact the Gardaí uh, in Kinsale straight away with that, some information if they have it. Um, on the 17th and the 18th of April then, uh, Patricia, in Omani Avenue in Bandon, this is a particularly kind of a, a low form of a crime of theft from a car. There was a particular person who was after doing a bit of shopping for an elderly person and was going to deliver it the following day. And when she went out to the car on the 18th, lo and behold, wasn't the shopping taken from the car along with two boxes of latest clothes. Ah, that's a mean, mean crime. So, Yes, a very mean crime, especially in the time that we're in where people are assisting our vulnerable people in our community. So we're appealing to anyone that may have seen anyone acting suspicious in around the Omani Avenue area of Bandon on the 17th and 18th of April. So it would have been on the 17th from about 9pm on until about the 18th. That's last Uh, Friday night, Friday into Saturday. Going into Saturday, so... We'd gladly take any phone call if anyone saw anyone acting suspicious. And a cautionary tale to all of us, leave nothing in your car overnight. Yes, and I know we have been touching on that over the last couple of weeks. And I have to say, I think people are, are listening to our message because people are not leaving stuff in cars anymore. And as I said in previous shows, since 2016, there's nearly 30 million euro worth of property taken from cars. But yeah. this was just a woman who was out helping another neighbour, left the shopping in the car overnight because she was going to deliver it the following morning and it was gone. Nah, mean, so, mean. And mean. there's a Bank of Ireland scam doing the rounds? Yes, um, I suppose I have a couple of topics there to talk about in relation to scams. The last week and going into this week, we had a couple of um, scam texts that were going out to people with a link. Now, the link is the particularly dangerous one. If you get into the link, it, it basically creates an opportunity for people to get funds from you and you're, you're introducing viruses into your computer and stuff and into your phone. Most modern phones now, the smartphones, they're like computers now, so when you get emails and text alerts, they can actually go into your phone and get the information from your phone in relation to bank details and so forth. So we just want to alert people that there is a number of scams going out there. The last latest one was from 
a texter pretending to be from the Bank of Ireland. They're not going to send a text. They will either make contact, you, contact with you through a letter or they will phone you and then you have to phone them back. So we would just want people to be aware of those various uh, text scams that are going around as well at the moment. Okay. We've also received a number of reports this morning um, and overnight of people pretending to be from agencies such as the guards, the HSE, uh, the clergy, offering to help people and to do shopping and to have a chat. We just want people, there is genuine people out there contacting, I suppose, vulnerable people in our communities to offer assistance, but they generally know them. If you have any doubt at all, we're asking people, which in relation to the identity of a person on the other end of the phone, don't engage with them. Um, I think it's a particularly low form, again, where people are taking advantage of the situation where we find ourselves in nationally, and they're using this as an opportunity to get money and to scam people out of uh, cash and other goods as well. So Very mean. It's, it's particularly mean. Okay, and the road safety advice during COVID-19? Just before that, Patricia, I just want to touch on rogue traders. We've had a couple of reports of a number of people being caught by rogue traders going around asking for ex- uh, extortionate money to do very small jobs. Just mind for people to be mindful of that. Uh, there, There is limitations and government restrictions on movement, so unless it's essential... I wouldn't be doing any work around the house and I certainly wouldn't be taking on anyone that has, is pretending, pretending to be uh, a tradesman and getting extra, extraordinary cash amounts for jobs to be done. So just to remind people of that as well. Okay. Road safety, Patricia, obviously, look, the fine weather that we've had over the last number of weeks have, I suppose, in normal circumstances, people would be out there anyway, but there seems to be a lot more people now because of the restrictions and people are at home. We're appealing to all road users to adhere to the rules of the road and to be mindful that there is additional people on the road, be it pedestrians or cyclists, and they're out. And there's kids out on the road now. During normal times, they'd be in school, and here they are now. They're going out for their walks and their two kilometres with their parents, and there's they can be around a corner in out in the countryside. We're just asking people to slow down and to be mindful that there is an increased number of road users out there. Yeah, I've noticed that, you know, families out having a walk, which they're, you know, they're entitled and allowed to do. But some of the smallies on little bicycles and on skates and stuff, you just need to be so careful. Yes, you have to be very careful because you uh, you don't know what's around the corner, yeah. especially nowadays. I, I remember that was an old road safety um, campaign a number of years ago was you don't know what's around the next bend yeah. and I think it's very important more, impor- more important more important more at this time than ever okay and as we mentioned there is a strong visible guard the presence and, the, and there will be across this weekend again yes um, here in West Cork we're continuing throughout the week with the with the checkpoints across the division they will be again for the weekend especially in light of the good weather and we're just asking people to be patient I know that there's a a lot of talk in the media at the moment about uh, restrictions being lifted but we're currently going by the National Public Headline Emergency Council guidelines that it's only essential workers uh, and essential journeys that are allowed you're supposed to remain within the two kilometres of your home and obviously for the over 70s to still remain cocooning the government restrictions are still in place and they will be in place for the next couple of weeks until we are guided, I suppose, by the National Public Health Emergency Council. Um, we are dealing with a number of issues, and I suppose it's important to to appeal to people to remain calm and to remain patient. It is very frustrating. We are aware of that. But we've been dealing with young people going to parties and apartment blocks. Uh, we're appealing to parents to make sure that the householders, their own households, are adhering to restrictions and not to engage with members from different households because that's the way this virus will transfer is 
through human contact. So if we can just hold firm maybe for another number of weeks, that we, we will surely get on top of this COVID. Yeah, it'd be such a shame, all the good work that's been done. Yes. And I know it's frustrating. Everybody wants to get out and about. Everybody wants to visit family and friends. This is not going to be forever. No, it's not. And look, again, we would like to thank the people of West Cork and the, and the country. 99% of the people are, have been doing phenomenally well over the last number of weeks. They're, they're adhering to the guidelines. But there is a, a, an element of, I suppose, frustration creeping in with people. And then the excuses were getting at checkpoints. Then there's dogs need to go to the beach to get into the water. We're coming across people going to Cork City for shopping because they couldn't get a particular ingredient in a shop in a local town. And then they just, they're going out for a spin. Then you just needed to get out of the house. And we were, I think we stopped another lady there recently um, in West Cork and she wanted to go to another county to go babysitting. Like, unfortunately, I suppose... Do you do you turn them around? Yes. Oh, yeah, OK. We have yeah. to turn these people around because we're here for public health emergency. Yeah, but you, you, you can go if you've got a genuine reason to be out and about, but for everyone else, it's essential trips. It's essential trip, yeah. and essential is the key word here. Yeah. Uh, going up to Cork City because there wasn't a particular ingredient in a shop is not an essential yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, uh, journey. So, look, again, from the outset, we want to thank the people for what they're doing. We just, we just want to make sure that they are going to adhere to the restrictions, and hopefully in the next couple of weeks, if there is a restriction, uh, I suppose, if they're going to be lifted, we'll find out about them in a couple of weeks' time. OK, and you want to give mention to an arrest that was made without going into any details, but... Yes, look, I can, I can touch on it briefly. We had a number of cars broken into there a couple of weeks ago in Kinsale. Uh, for operational reasons, we can't go into the details of it, but we would like to thank the public. They were very good and assisting us in relation to details that we were seeking, and arrests have been made, and we're making progress in that case. So we'd like to thank the public for that. Okay, and, and people are being good at keeping an eye on their neighbours and reporting anything suspicious. It's fantastic, um, the feedback that we're getting. Uh, I suppose ourselves and the local authority with the community support have been doing fantastic work. There's great interagency uh, cooperation in relation to, to the support that is being required and that is being given. And again, I suppose it would be remiss of me if I didn't say that we, we would definitely like to thank the public for all the assistance that they've been giving to us over the last number of weeks and yourselves as well Patricia for okay. getting the message out there. Our pleasure and just a piece of advice from a listener could you ask uh, Gar- uh, Sergeant James uh, please uh, who do you report a dangerous Alsatian dog to? He comes out onto the road regularly when we're out walking I've spoken to the owner who only laughs and says oh he's grand he won't go near you but he shows his teeth and he growls back and it can be quite intimidating I mean uh, German Shepherds are they're big dogs they, they're big dogs are Look, they not on the dangerous dog list I'd have to verify yeah. that but they, they can report to their local uh, Cork County Council dog warden or if, if they can't get through to them under the COVID-19 restrictions they can contact the local guard station and we can follow up on that Someone will go and have a chat yes. OK Listen stay safe uh, James Likewise, Pleasure as always Thanks for that No problem And Thank uh, thanks uh, for joining us That is Sergeant James O'Donovan Crime Prevention Officer based at Bandon Guard the station Keep your pet questions coming in please 1850 John Paul and Sadie taking your calls or you can WhatsApp or text me a pet question for Jane at 0862103103. Judy says, hi Patricia, do you think hairdressers will open soon? I need a collar. 
Um, no word yet of hairdressers opening. Julian, you're not on your own. There's a lot of people out there looking for a colour for sure. OK, uh, we're going to oh, do this next. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. The Concert of Hope. This is Native Pieta House. It's going to be live streamed on the Pieta House Facebook page this Saturday between 5pm and 10pm. Now, acts include Walking on Cars, Brian Kennedy, The Stunning and a host of other Irish artists. They'll all be performing from their own homes and they're doing it to support Pieta House. You're asked to please click on the donate button on their Facebook page. And the Cork Cancer Care Centre are launching their Walk with Warriors. It's a fundraiser and it's going to happen tomorrow week, Friday the 1st of May. They're asking people to walk for 30 minutes per day between the 1st and the 31st of May and it's to honour cancer warriors and then you donate to the Cork Cancer Care Centre. Full details are available on their Facebook and on their web page. And the wonderful Jack and Jill Foundation are appealing for donations to enable them to continue with their support for families. Please donate €4 Euro by texting the words WE CARE to 50300 or give what you can through www.jackandjill.ie Every €16 Euro donated to the Jack and Jill Children's Foundation provides a family with one hour of home nursing support from the Jack and Jill team. Court Today on C103 with Mallow College now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie The World Health Organization has now upgraded the coronavirus to a worldwide pandemic. Here are some practical ways to protect yourself. Wash your hands properly and often. Cover your mouth and nose when you cough or sneeze. And dispose of used tissues. Disinfect frequently touched objects. Avoid close contact with people who are unwell. Don't touch your eyes, nose or mouth if your hands are not clean. And please follow travel advice from the Department of Foreign Affairs. This message is supported by Irwin's Pharmacy, Shandon Street, Mayfield and Toker. Always looking after your family. For coronavirus updates and information, stay listening to C103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And we know here's an update from the Minister for Health, uh, Simon Harris. He went to our Dublin studios and he spoke with Jim Nugent and Mark Noble. Now they speak to him about a variety of different issues, but they first asked the Minister about the progress we have made with the current restrictions. I'm conscious that we keep on coming out trying to explain to people the progress that we're making. Now, and we are making a lot. Like, there could have been overwhelmed ICUs at this stage. Our hospitals could have been packed. According to the modelling, we could have seen over 12,000 people die in our country by the first week of May. So people have saved hundreds upon hundreds of lives by by doing as we're asking, by staying at home, washing their hands, keeping apart. But I'm also conscious that there's a little bit of kind of, Asher, aren't we doing all right now, um, creeping in. Um, I'm noticing the roads are a little bit busier. You know, people, I think, are beginning to kind of stretch the public health advice and wondering, um, you know, geez, if we're doing OK, could I not just do this, that or the other? And that's on, on a human level, you get that because it's really tough for people. Um, but we have to stay the course because there's a really, really, really thin line uh, between where we are today and where we could have been. And my worry is that if that complacency set in, um, we could end up in a bad place. I was watching TV last night and, and speaking of 
how things might progress. And one suggestion from one of the experts was uh, this idea of, of a four-day working week for people with a 10-day weekend. And my four-day working week would be different to Jim's, for example. And if you then were to get symptoms, you'd have them during that 10-day weekend and you could again be self-isolating. Is that one theory that could be used for Ireland? So we haven't got down to that level of kind of that level of detail, but I mean, what what is very clear is any time anyone increases movement, they increase the risk of people getting sick. So what we're going to have to do as we try to reopen the country is look at how do you minimise that risk, and that will mean workplaces working in a different way. It will mean people who can work from home working from home. It might mean things like, as you say, staggered starting times, so that not everyone is in at the same time. Um, so these are the sort of things that every kind of business organisation is going to need to think about but I equally need to be really blunt with people here I don't think on the 5th of May we're going to have this I think I called it a light switch moment yesterday where you know everything's just kind of going to go back to normal or even back to normal a fair bit of the way I think what you're more likely to see in around the 5th of May hopefully is that we can say look we've made a lot of progress we've suppressed the virus it's still here though and it could still go the wrong way so that we, we might be able to tweak some of the restrictions try and make things a little bit easier for people because what we're asking people to do now is awful tough, I accept that. And also maybe try and produce a roadmap that would show how you're going to open up the country uh, bit by bit over the next few weeks and months. Um, my father's uh, cocooning at the moment and uh, yeah. every time I go to see him, he says he, he feels like this is never going to end. What would you say to that? Yeah, and my own mum is cocooning as well. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd say two, two things. It will end. It absolutely will end. And the second thing I'd say, and, and I don't mean this to be too be too blunt, is the alternative to cocooning is a hell of a lot worse. I mean, yeah. if we're looking at what's happening in other countries, um, their intensive care units are swamped, their doctors are having to ration care, their hospitals are overwhelmed, and thousands upon thousands of their citizens are dying. Now, we've seen a lot of tragedy in Ireland, uh, a lot of pain, a lot of people sick, and, and many people have died from this. But, but we're, we're asking you to stay at home because the alternative is an awful lot worse. Um, and while you feel like you're kind of stuck at home, and I get that, um, you're actually safe at home. Um, you're there, we're asking you to stay there because you're safe. But one of the things I would say is we've launched this new website, and it's actually it's pretty good. It's called um, gov.ie, gov.ie, forward slash together. And if you actually go there, it has a list of kind of things you can do at home to mind your own mental health, your own physical health. Um, you know, lots of different kind of podcasts, ideas, things to do around the house. Useful things. We all have a mental health as well. Like you can get sick of things that aren't COVID-19 and I'm conscious of that as well. So that's why we've tried to pull together support and ideas on that website too. Yeah, we have noticed, people have noticed as well, listeners have said that things have got a little bit loosey-goosey out there. That's, you know, there's a, a great, great weather coming this weekend. May the 5th round the corner. We're nearly there. So you're saying stick to it. I'm saying stick to it, but I'm also saying, like, you know, just just like you and everybody listening to this programme, I want to be able to see my family and friends again. I want to see a point where we can get back to normal life. And I can't tell you this morning exactly when that'll be, but what I can tell you is it'll be sooner um, if we stick with it. I mean, if we start at this stage to get a little bit complacent or a little bit lax or slack off in terms of our own personal responsibilities, what, what I'm absolutely guaranteeing you will happen is more lives will be lost and the length of time of the restrictions will extend. I mean, that, that's the truth, because the more we can do over the next couple of days, what, about 10 days, I think, to the 5th of May, in around that, the more we can do 
to actually drive down the virus between now and then, and between that now and that May Bank holiday weekend. The more we can do, the more options we'll have as a country. So we can actually start to have intelligent conversations about, well, look, how do we live alongside the virus? How do we get back to not normal, but a new normal? How do we make sure that your dad, who's stuck at home for so long and no doubt probably climbing the walls, with maybe even boredom at this stage, how do we make sure people can get a bit of exercise? You know, these are options we'll have, but we won't have them, quite frankly. We will not have them if we don't make more progress. Um, because if we lifted those restrictions today, I can tell you the only thing that would happen in this country is many, 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 many people would die. And uh, we're not going to let that happen. Um, we've all worked too hard. The Irish people have worked too hard um, to make that mistake. So stick with us, stick at us, listen to the doctors, and uh, we're going to come out of this. Um, but it's going to be gradual and it's going to, going to take us a bit of time. What would be your advice for, for parents of young children like there's been the 30 babies under the age of one who have had COVID, children yeah. in general? Is there, do you feel there's misconceptions out there in terms of they'll only spread it but they won't get it and they're okay to be, you know, have we, are we, do we understand as much as we need from the public side about children? I'm not sure we do, to be honest. Um, I mean, it is true that majority of people who get very, very sick with this condition are older people. And it is true that the majority of people who get very, very sick and sadly pass away um, often have underlying conditions. Many of them have underlying conditions. So that's true. But that's not to say that children can't get this virus and get sick. And it's not to say that we haven't seen young people in our country die of the virus. So, I mean, we do have to make sure um, that we're all vigilant in relation to this. We've now seen 262 children in Ireland under the age of 15 um, contracted the virus, and 30 of them, as you say, uh, were under the age of one. Now, I don't say that to worry parents. Um, I really don't. Um, but we do all just need to be vigilant. And maybe there's a group of people, maybe people in around my own age in their 30s who kind of think, this is the virus my granny gets, um, and are a little bit lax about it. It's not. Um, I mean, sorry, your granny may well get it, and, and many people... Many people who are mums and dads and grannies and granddads have gotten it. But we've also, we've also seen, you know, nearly 200 people between the ages of 35 and 44 in hospital with this. Uh, we've seen 52 people between the ages of 15 to 24. Like, you don't get put into hospital with this unless you're pretty sick. So, yeah, none of us should kind of have that, you know, that arrogance of youth of thinking, oh, I'm grand, I'm only in my 30s or I'm only in my 20s. Um, this, this could affect yeah. any of us, so we all need to be vigilant. What one of the questions from listeners, Minister? When do you feel, or do you do you have any inside knowledge as to when you will see deaths dropping to to single figures? When will that curve change? Um, so we don't know. Is the, is the short answer? Um, but what we do know is, and I think this is an important point for your listeners: the figure that's announced every day of deaths in Ireland are the number of deaths that have been confirmed to the Department of Health on that day. It doesn't mean that the number the number of deaths that happened that day. So Tony Ola and the Chief Medical Officer puts up a graph every evening that actually shows how many deaths have happened in Ireland that day. And there are, there are some signs, there are some signs uh, that, the, that the, the rate of death is beginning to decline, but it's too early to say that in any way definitively. Another question I have actually, just when, and you're seeing it from, I think everyone is looking to other countries that may be a few weeks ahead of us and how they're reacting to it, whether it's temperatures being taken at train stations or masks that are compulsory, uh, is, is nothing ruled in or out for the next phase and the next phase is uh, in terms of masks and things like that? That's a big question that yeah. people are asking us this morning. Yes, yeah, so, so nothing is ruled in or out and our national public health emergency team are constantly uh, looking at what other countries are doing, but also following the advice of the World Health Organization, 
and an organization we're involved in called the European Centre for Disease Control. And, I mean, we've already made some changes. So they decided this week that healthcare staff in many situations should now wear face masks. No, that's something that our nurses and midwives were looking for. And the evidence suggested that they were right in that regard. So that change is now happening. And we'll be looking at the broader use of face masks as well. But again, we won't be making these decisions politically. We'll be following the advice of our doctors. On the issue of temperature checks, it seems to me there's, a, there's you know, kind of mixed views on this amongst the medical community internationally. Uh, but we have now decided to start testing, uh, rather taking the temperature of anybody working in the health service or in our nursing homes. Uh, during the day as well, just to try and identify, look, if there is a temperature, it mightn't be COVID-19, it may well not be COVID-19, but it makes sense to be really, really cautious. And if you have that temperature, then, you know, go home while you're waiting the test or, you know, follow the advice of, of a doctor. So we are using temperature checks more and more now in, in the health service and we we'll continue to keep that, keep that under review. We'll be keeping it under review in relation to airports as well, but all of these decisions will be made um, by our chief medical officer. Okay, and our thanks there to the Minister for Health, Simon Harris, to take time out to talk to the guys in our Dublin studio. And says, morning, Patricia. Why are some people breaking the restrictions now, well before the date of May the 5th when we were asked to leave these restrictions in place? I fear the country is not ready to lift restrictions after May the 5th. I've been hearing that some people are getting too complacent about the virus. I fear we'll all be back in lockdown within weeks and all the good work that we've done will be wasted. I was shopping, for example, today. There are lots and lots of cars and people out this week, a lot more than was out this time last week. I feel people should be fined. And it was interesting listening to uh, Sergeant James O'Donovan talking about some of the reasons, uh, you know, people coming up with all kinds of reasons when they're stopped at a checkpoint as to why they should be out and why their reason for being out is so much better than anybody else's reasons. It was good to hear that they were there turning people around. If you are stopped and you don't have a genuine reason to be out and about, it's essential trips or if you're part of essential services work is the only reason we should be out in our cars. And we've been talking about matches and would it be a possibility that club matches would start because this was kind of intimated by Tony Houlihan yesterday. John says if matches go ahead won't the players be at risk? How do people expect them to keep social distancing? I thought the same thing myself and surely you are wide open then if you have a team and obviously the very nature of hurling and football tackling people are on top of each other it's impossible to social distance if, distance when you're playing a match uh, what happens if somebody then tests positive for COVID-19 is everybody else in the team at risk the team they played against I, I don't know I, and I know there's so many people want to see the matches back up and uh, running I just don't know how it could be done that's very much a wait and see and just to let people know if you are a customer of Virgin Media they're making all their mobile plans unlimited well done to Virgin Media I think they're the first to do that are they until the 30th of June because we were hearing from some people who were going over their broadband allowance and they were getting large bills in the post particularly people that are working at home and are using the internet at home that they wouldn't have been using before so well done to uh, Virgin Media on that I mentioned that Thornhill Brothers in Skibbereen is, is open when somebody was looking for a hardware store I'm told Drina Hardware Store uh, is also open and we had a lovely call in from uh, Joe who is a healthcare worker who just wants us to put it out there because we've been talking about it this week um, about people dying and dying on their own. It was one of the first interviews we did this week and we spoke with the Irish Hospice Foundation because they're calling on the HSE to allow at least one family member to be with somebody as... Uh, 
uh, at time of uh, death and that led to that whole discussion and that fear factor that people have of getting COVID-19 and ending up in hospital and the fear of dying alone for both the person and for the family members. So Joe rang up because he'd been hearing us discussing it during the week and he is a healthcare worker and he says if we can get nothing else across to people this week particularly for those that have a loved one who perhaps is in hospital at the moment or a loved one that's in a nursing home especially if they've been diagnosed with COVID-19 and they're you know feeling really bad and, and really worried about their family member. Joe says he just wants to let people know that a patient in this country never dies on their own. Staff will always make sure that there is somebody with them, be that in a hospital or in a nursing home or in any kind of a residential unit. Joe says at the end of the day, we as healthcare workers, we treat the patients as if they're our own family. So just let other families know that your loved one will never be on their own. And I think that's important to get out there. And thank you, Joe, for taking the time out to call us uh, with that one. And Mary in Dunamore was on to say, does anybody know the situation with regards to somebody who won a large sum of money at a gambling shop, a betting shop? The shop obviously has now closed due to the COVID-19 uh, restrictions and her friend can't get his money. <laughs> Is there anybody else in the same boat? Now we've taken details from Mary and we're going to make contact with the betting shop and see if we can get uh, an answer from Mary and from Mary's friends. But I don't know, has anybody else heard about that? Somebody had a win just before the restrictions came in. Betting shop closed and they're left. They want they want their money and they, they want it now. And just clar- just clarification, when I was doing Guard the File with uh, Sergeant James O'Donovan today, somebody rang in about when they're out on a walk, an Alsatian dog running out from a house and just frightening people. And the owners are kind of bit like laughing about it and oh, for God's sake, he's grand, he won't go near you, kind of an attitude. But the listener who contacted us said, a bit nervous when, when they're passing. And I was saying, isn't German Shepherd and Alsatian one of the restricted dog breeds? And just to confirm, it is on the restricted dog breeds. I know we call it the dangerous dog it's the restricted dogs breed which means that that um, Alsatian if it's out in public at all should be muzzled and certainly shouldn't be allowed to run out from the gateway of a house it should be on a lead if it's out in the public at all so that might be worth mentioning to the owner of that particular dog but of course the advice we got from James you contact Cork County Council to get on to the dog warden and failing that you can ring your local guardie and, and they will go certainly and have a chat with the owner 1850 going to take a quick break and we'll back we'll stay with animals and uh, we'll talk with Jane Pickett our resident Court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. Egfoilemach Quintenanihe is Farlin. Shaitsroer C103 Air Kirkig. Nukta, quid denanija, is fari gorkik, see Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Connect with C103 on Twitter. Find all the latest news and sport and stay in touch with what's happening across Cork. Search for our Twitter handle at C103Cork. The World Health Organization has now upgraded the coronavirus to a worldwide pandemic. Here are some practical ways to protect yourself. Wash your hands properly and often. Cover your mouth and nose when you cough or sneeze. And dispose of used tissues. Disinfect frequently touched objects. Avoid close contact with people who are unwell. Don't touch your eyes, nose or mouth if your hands are not clean. And please follow travel advice from the Department of Foreign Affairs. This message is supported by Irwin's Pharmacy, Shandon Street, Mayfield and Toker. Always looking after your family. For coronavirus updates and information, stay listening to C103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. And Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, joining us on this sunny Thursday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Hi there. Can I hear birds tweeting in the background? Yeah, quite possibly. (laughs) There's a lot of woodland around us, so there's lots of birds singing at the moment. Which is great. Actually, that's the one thing I've noticed. I think as I'm I'm sleeping with the window open, I wake every morning to a dawn chorus and it's just such a wonderful sound to wake up to. Mm, It is beautiful. They say that most birds are getting out more birds song and they're full kind of lyrics to their song these days because everything's quieter outside and they're uninterrupted, which is it's kind of quite beautiful. Yeah, it's one of the pluses. If we can find a plus to this pandemic, the nature is certainly doing better. Okay, let's get straight into questions. The listener says question for Jane, please. There is a stray cat in my garden and I've recently noticed that the cat lost a tooth. Do you have any advice or anything I need to do for him or her? Okay, so if the cat has lost a tooth, I, I have to assume that probably the, not owner, the, the, the supervisor of this cat that has wandered into the garden has probably noticed that there's some blood or discharge or, you know, a strange look to the jaw that they've noticed, or perhaps they've even found a tooth, who knows? Um, I think sometimes, particularly wild cats, when they're eating a variety of things and getting up to all sorts of mischief, they occasionally can lose teeth. Now, very much like any pet cat, their oral health is very much dependent on their diet um, and the maintenance. And I suppose if you're a stray wild cat, you don't have somebody sitting at home brushing your teeth in the evening. So they're a little bit more likely to have dental disease. Um, I'll assume that if this is a cat that's wandered in, it, it's probably semi-feral. So I assume that you can't get close to it to stroke it, etc. And I wouldn't recommend that, um, certainly with a, with a wild cat, um, if, if that's not something that they're, let's say, coming up for a stroke and coming up for attention. Um, it is a little bit challenging. I think in, a, in an ideal world, that cat would be seen by a vet at some point and potentially have some attention for its dental disease. But currently with the COVID restrictions, I know most vets around are we're, we're only seeing emergency only work. And I think the main thing is making sure that it's comfortable 
um, pain-free and not not in any suffering. If you're concerned about the cat and if you can get close to it, sometimes you can take a little picture. I know myself as well as other vets, we're quite happy for our clients to send us pictures by email, but check with your local vet as to what way they they um, they would like any information. But I'd say first and foremost, ring your local vet, have a little chat with them. Um, you'll be able to better explain what you can see. I think certainly with COVID, we are a little bit restricted in what we can do, but animal health and welfare is still to the forefront. So there's okay. lots of things we can do um, to keep them comfortable. Okay. Hi, my six-year-old dog has weepy eyes with a slight yellow discharge. I've bathed it with warm water. The discharge seems to be gone, but the eyes are still weepy. Anything else I can do mm. to help it along? Yeah, I think if the if the discharge that's coming out of the eyes is quite a creamy colour, that sometimes indicates to us that there might be a little bit of a bacterial infection. So it's it's essentially kind of a, a liquid pus, which sounds a little bit gross. Um, sometimes that can temporarily improve if we, let's say, wash the... the uh, area around the eye with let's say lukewarm water and certainly that can give them comfort so that the eyes aren't gumming together because that can be quite painful for them but I think certainly from the sounds of what you're describing you need to talk to your local vet ring them up describe the symptoms they'll be able to guide you as to what information they need um, but they may well need to prescribe some medication to go into the eyes um, but they'll be able to better assess that like after an, an eye drop or a cream or something is exactly it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah very okay. much like we would ourselves yeah yeah, yeah. Um, it does sound like there's an infection Okay, hi, this is from Marie. Pet question. I have a small Jack Russell and lately when I go to stroke her back, she kind of twitches. She also seems to be unsettled when she's trying to sleep. She's perfectly healthy apart from all of that. What does Jane think could be going on? Oh, that's a bit of an interesting one. Um, so I think first and foremost, if there's a little bit of twitching going on when you're touching the lower back, I'd just be a bit mindful. Is there something there that's causing discomfort? Um, I think a nice gentle rub is good, but sometimes it, just if they are a little bit tender, maybe avoiding that area. Um, I think if it's if it's something that the skin is just twitching, sometimes we have uh, we have reflexes on our back actually, where that um some of them can kind of twitch and that that can be normal in some animals. Although it is reasonably rare, the most usual thing is that they would see twitching and maybe turning around to look and see what you're doing when you're stroking back there, and that would be an indication of discomfort. Um, sometimes dogs and cats can be really good at hiding things, particularly a lot of the time they don't want to let their owners know that they're not feeling well because they don't want to make them sad. Um, so I think just be mindful. Watch watch her when she's out and about when she's let's say walking around does she seem a bit more stilted or stiff in her gait or is she avoiding doing things she would normally do like going up and down stairs or jumping up and down off the sofa if that's the case I think there definitely is some symptoms of discomfort there and if she's a little bit unsettled with her sleeping that might just be that she can't settle and get comfortable um I think with that in mind, it's worth speaking to your vet and have a chat about the symptoms and what can be done given the current situation with COVID. Um, but I think the other thing to be mindful is, and I think we're seeing it all, a lot in our pets, their behaviour patterns are changing because they're all out of all out of kilter with their routine at the moment. Um, I know my dogs certainly at home, they don't know whether they're coming or going or what's happening because it's more people around the house than usual yeah. um, and they're all be, out of routine. Yeah, they could, so, it could just be that the dog is unsettled. OK, we leave it there. We'll talk again mm. next week, Jane. Thank you for that. And uh, thank thanks you. for joining us. That is Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket. And uh, just very quickly, a listener says, Patricia, I'm a woman, 57, having a very bad ha- hair day, hair going grey fast, hair all out of shape. I'm going, I'm thinking of shaving my head. Do you think that's too drastic? I absolutely think it's too drastic. Might work for you, though. But don't forget, you can go to the chemist and get some hair dye if you really feel that the greyness is getting to you. But how would others feel? Is it too drastic to 
shave it all off. That's where I leave it. Thanks to John Paul and to Sadie. Talk to you tomorrow at 10 or to the 9 Patricia Messenger. Stay safe. Court today on C103. With Mallow College. Now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie.